Hi there, everyone. This is Tracy Malone. And today I am going to talk with a special guest of mine about, so you're going to get a divorce now, what do you do? There's so many details that we need to understand. Where do we start? What do we do? How do we tell the children? You know, how do we hire a team? What kind of team do we need? And what if we can't find the records? And what do we do? What do we do? There's so many things we're going to talk about. And um, Jill Barnett Kaufman is a therapist, divorce coach, and a co-parenting expert coach. And so she's got all this really good information. So let's go welcome her and we'll see if you've got any questions at the end, but it's a starting place to understand. And, and we're going to talk a lot about telling the kids and the importance of it and how to do it the right way, because so many people kind of screw that up, especially narcissists. So let's go meet Jill and I'll come back on the other side. Welcome, Jill. I'm so excited that you are here. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much, Tracy. You have such an expertise because you are a divorce coach, you're actually a therapist, and you're a co-parenting expert. So today we are going to talk about, um, you know, basically, I'm getting a divorce. Now what? This is the name of your your ebook, your online workbook. And so um, I want to start off with, like, this is the time. I actually Googled this last night. Um, December is not the month of divorce, but like, March is usually the beginning, but this is the time that people are thinking about it, right? This is the end of the year. Let's get through the holidays. What's the best time for people to get a divorce? So there's not one time that's better than another. A lot of people, like you said, wait until the holidays are over. And actually January is a big, big month for people to like tell their spouse and, you know, this is what I want. But, you know, going through the holidays when you're upset and stressed is not good either. So I tell people, you know, it's not the worst time to tell someone right before the holidays, you know, that you, you can relax once you've told someone when you're, when you're knowing that it's going to come and you're worried about that, that can ruin your holiday. So, um, it's really an individual decision and, you can always wait and wait and wait and put it off and put it off because there's always going to be something, somebody's birthday or somebody's graduation or the holidays. So it's really not necessary to wait. You, you, um, the, if you know that that's the right thing, when you know that, that's probably the time to do it. Yeah. And, and I think if we, if we look, you know, prospectively to the people who are watching my channel, who are married to a narcissist um there's never a good time and you know often there's that love bombing there's the seven times that most people go back to them and all that stuff so while it can ruin your holiday knowing inside your heart that um you know you want to get a divorce and, and you you haven't told them yet you're keeping that secret if you think about it on the other perspective if you tell your narcissist right before the holidays they will destroy the, the potential of the holidays, like vengeful, angry, passive aggressive things. So I think it, it really depends on who's coming. You know, if it's just you and them, it's a different thing. If you've got 25 people coming for dinner and you tell them the day before, don't expect it to be pretty. True. And also the other aspect is children. If you have children together and you know that they are explosive and reactive and you don't want your children to experience that during the holidays, then maybe that is a good idea to wait. Um, 
but if you have no children and you can just kind of go away, you know, then why not do it before? Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, as you said, the children are a huge factor here, because if, if, um, again, if the children are in the home, keeping peace for Christmas might be a nice thing, but yeah. going beyond that is you, as you said, there's going to be Valentine's day and it's going to be your kid's birthday and, oh, it's back to school and, oh, it's summer vacation. And, you know, there's always going to be another thing. And so when we're about to start this, this divorce process, what, what's the beginning? Well, how do we start the process? So, um, you know, once you've decided that that's what you want, obviously saying something to the other person's is the start. Um, but before you do that, you can even start getting yourself organized and kind of getting your ducks in a row. And you can um, get three years of tax statements, get a year of your bank account and credit card statements. You can have a consultation with an attorney. You can talk to a divorce coach, you know? So there's like there's things that you can do to kind of organize yourself and prepare yourself and understand what the situation is, um, even before you actually tell your spouse. But once you tell your spouse or you hear it from your spouse that this is what they want, um, one of the first things that I would do is have a session with a divorce coach because if you have a session with an attorney, an attorney is going to ask for a retainer and you're going to give them a few thousand dollars and you're going to start losing control of your divorce. And um, what happened to me was I did that. And then my ex said, you have an attorney. I need to get an attorney. So he got an attorney. And then our attorneys were spending tons of money talking to each other, requesting things, making problems. And it just, it's really not ideal. So I would say meet with a divorce coach and meet with a financial advisor. Those are the two things that I would do first, because you really want to get an idea of your finances and you want to have an idea of what your strategy is going forward. And that's what a divorce coach helps with. Um, they help you figure out what your goals and priorities are, and they help you, you know, really get organized and prepared for what's to come. Yeah. All of that is really important information, but with a narcissistic family, often they don't have control of the account. So it's not as simple as go get your statements, go do this, go prep. Right. And so when I have those clients, even if you don't know that, what the accounts are, or you have access to printing out the statements, you can still start to make a list and go, I know we have a, a Citibank card and I know we have a this card and we bank here and this is our accountant. So you could start to gather that stuff because a lot of people come to me and they're just like, I have no access to anything. I'm They feel like they're trapped, but it's not. Even if you don't have it by simply saying, here's the list of accounts I don't have access to, then your lawyer, when they get involved, can actually request the statements that you need instead of being sort of like not you know just sort of deer in the headlights I can't get that and then like you think that the divorce is frozen that's not true either right exactly yeah and uh, you can request from the IRS your tax returns so there's a way that you can get your tax returns if you don't have access to them from your spouse um so there are ways to do that the other thing I would say is if you don't have your own credit card, 
Um, this is something that happened to me. I, I couldn't get a credit card after 20 years of marriage because everything was tied to my ex-husband. And so I literally was, you know, in my forties and didn't have a way to get a credit card. It was so, um, I felt so powerless. And so what I tell people to do is you can either get a store credit card to start building up your credit, or you can get a secured credit card. So put like a $300 or $200 in the bank account, and you can get a credit card backed by that $200 and you can start using that and building up credit. So that's a really important thing to think about because at some point you're, you're going to want and need to have a credit card to on your own name and build up your own credit. Absolutely. And, and I, and I know like for me, it, it, it would be to lock down whatever they have, say their Amazon, their Facebook, you know, change passwords. And, and people don't really think about that at the beginning, but you know, all of a sudden they're, they're spying on you. And again, we're talking narcissist land here where instantly you're hacked and your lawyer letters are going right to your ex. And so by changing some passwords and protecting yourself, I always tell people to get a separate Amazon account because you're going to want to buy some books that you don't want them to see. And you can do them and have them on Kindle so they're not physically on your coffee table or Audible, but having a separate account is going to start to build that privacy and almost that credit if you would. Not that you're getting credit for having an Amazon account, but at the same time, you know, it's in your name and there's no way they can sort of start to see what you're doing and 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 lock down those passwords. Um, if the, if the narcissist really does leave the house after you tell them, it's important to lock down the Wi-Fi in your house. People don't think about that, but I've had like narcissistic spouse sitting in the driveway on their network and tapping into their email because yeah. depending on how it's set up, it could literally show, oh yeah, Tracy's computer's on, boom, they're in the driveway, they access your email, they just opened it up, turned it on, and, and know to protect yourself that way because, again, they can do this very nefarious types of things. Yeah, and also get a new email. I would absolutely get a new email for all of anything related to divorce. Mm -hmm. That's a really good um, tip for people who especially are dealing with narcissists. Yeah. And, and something that's a little more secure, Gmail's fine. I'm just saying, but there's like proton mail, which really does lock you down. We have, you know, uh, the stalker exes, the, you know, people who hire private investigators that track them everywhere. So, you know, the sooner you can start to get on board with even understanding that that can happen. And that's the, the beauty of talking to a divorce coach is, Hey, this could happen. Let's just proactively change some passwords. Let's just get these little ducks in a row. Financially, I also tell people to try to put away a little money if you're not the breadwinner and try to tuck away if, if you know, I'm planning it and it's going to be December or I'm going to tell them in January, I'll start to take $100 out here, $100 out there. Because gift cards are good if you get gift cards to Target or something. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's again, it's protecting yourself maybe you'll be cut off from the funds and maybe you won't, but if you're, you know, cut off, at least you have that hundred dollar target card and you can eat for the week. And yeah. it's really just protecting yourself that way. Now let's bring the kids into this picture. Um, because this is one of the biggest mistakes that narcissists make, and this is telling the kids. And for the most part, 
even though we get coached on, hey, this is how you do it and let's have a, a co-parenting chat with a therapist and learn how to do it right, inevitably the narcissist pulls the trigger just to outgun you and make you look like you're the you're the one who wanted it or whatever they use the narrative of. So how what's the best way to tell the kids? So the best way to tell the kids is together, not blaming anybody. Um, just very simply kind of, it depends on the age. Obviously, if they're small kids, you don't have a long conversation. You ask questions, no matter what age, asking questions is a great way to get children to talk because a lot of times parents feel like they have to keep talking and lecturing and letting them know, but we still love you and it's not your fault. And, you know, everything's going to be okay. When you start talking too much, kids will shut up and they won't express their feelings. Um, and maybe some kids are shocked when they first hear about it. So they don't really have the questions at that time. So, so just let them know I'm here. If there's any questions you have, or you want to talk about it, just come to me. Cause I'm always here to talk to you. Um, it's every child re reacts differently to something like this. Some kids had a feeling they're not shocked. They've overheard something. Other kids are completely shocked and devastated. My middle child spent got a got a whiteboard and wanted to sit with me and my his dad and tell us that how we were going to make our marriage work. He was going to help us get back to, you know, make sure that we weren't going to get divorced. He said, I can help you guys. He was 16 at the time. And like, you know, all kids are different. And so sometimes they'll have a delayed reaction where they're fine for a little while, but then something happens and it affects them. So really check in with them. Um, I always tell people when you're talking to kids, not in the initial conversation, but, you know, at other times when you're looking face to face with them, it's very threatening. And so it's much better if you're doing something with them, like you're driving or you're playing a game or you're building Legos or whatever it is, um, when maybe when they're going to sleep and you're lying down with them, you know, that's the time where they open up more, where they're calm and they're not stressed and they're um, willing to say certain things. And, you know, basically you want to be really um, encouraging them to talk. So if they start to talk, you know, then you say, tell me more. How does that make you feel? Um, what else? Just, just, you know, shake your head and smile. You don't want to lecture at those times either. You really want to listen more than, than you talk. Cause then you can kind of figure out what your children need and how to approach it. And maybe they do need a professional, like a therapist or something. Yeah, thank you. That's really helpful. I know that um, kids have to know this is an ongoing conversation, right? It's not just, we're going to sit down on the couch and tell you this right now, and, and we never get to discuss it, but making sure that they know that if they have questions, because when we're having that discussion with the kids, for the most part, they, they, might depending on their age they might understand what it means for younger kids it's what what where am i going to live what what about the dog what about my friends where will i go to school so you know almost i would say prepare for those kind of questions and obviously you're going to be like everything's going to be fine and you're going to be telling them that sort of thing but at the same time make sure they know that 
it's okay to come to you because they might not have a question in that moment, but two hours later, they're like, what about the dog? You know, <laughs> come back and you're like, okay, right? So making sure that they know they can have this open door to either one of you is going to be a vital part of it. Absolutely. And, you know, when they're asking those questions, a lot of parents feel like they can't tell their kids until they have all the answers. And that's not true. Kids are okay if you don't know the answers. And I really encourage people not to wait too long to tell the kids because they pick up on so much. They hear things and they will, like my oldest son thought I was, I had cancer like before we told, cause he knew something was going on and he was like, are you sick? Do you have cancer? You know, just tell me what's going on. Uh, so you really don't want them to go into their heads and think about the worst case scenario. You'd rather tell them and say, you know what? Our plan is for you to stay in the same school district. We don't know, you know, who what, what we're going to do about the house right now, but we will let you know as soon as we know anything. And you really, I know how that's hard for parents because they don't want their kids to be worried about these things, but you know, kids, you know, depending on the age, but most kids are really into what their life is, right? So they're going to, you know, care about how this impacts them. And then when they leave your conversation, they're going to be doing their homework or they're going to be playing with their friends or they're going to, and they're not going to think about this like we as adults think about it. They're going to really be able to, you know, get into their world easier than we do. So, um, if you can't answer all the questions right away, don't worry about that. That's really good advice because so many parents are like, again, I don't know what we're going to do. And what if they ask us that? We can tell them we don't know yet, right? This is just the beginning. And, and how long is it going to take? I don't know yet. We'll let you know. You know, again, all of the, the child's questions would almost be helpful to have thought through so that you're not blindsided by, you know, the dog question or can I bring my turtle or something like that. Um, when I was five, my parents got a divorce and all three of us sisters have such traumatic memories because my father sat us on the couch. I was five. So we're sitting on the couch. There are three, five and six, right? And we're all just plopped there. I didn't even know my mother was away. And she was on her honeymoon. So we weren't at the wedding and she was on a honeymoon. And my father said, well, when they get back from their honeymoon, you know, you're oh going to move and live in their house. And so that was like the end. And that was the end of the family. Right. And so that way wow. they did it was so bad that 65 years later, all of us were holding that trauma of the not knowing the what do you mean they're married? Who is this guy? Like, we have to go move into some house that we don't even know the person? Like, it was so weird. Again, we're talking the 60s. But at the same time, we don't want your kids to have trauma. And, and the goal here is by being open and opaque and letting them have a voice and letting them be open to have more questions. They're not going to have that same kind of shock factor. Yeah. I'm so sorry that happened to you. That is really traumatic. <laughs> you know, the whole shitty life. But <laughs> if, if, if I, I look back, that was very traumatic. So we have to make sure that we are very protective of the children and both parents, because I've had so many clients as well that they went to the therapist, they got the training, they know they're going to tell the kids on this date and da 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 and daddy goes and tells them in the car on the way to their friend's house. So they're about to arrive with their friend and they just found out their family's imploding. 
and then they're dropped off at the kid's house and like, you know, it, it just, that's a traumatic move to do, right? So yeah. together, unified message, it's not the kid's fault. You know, these things happen, all of those gentle messages that can, can you know, open up to them having some sort of understanding and acceptance eventually. Absolutely. And it's very, um, it's very hard to understand what this is from a kid's point of view. And it's, there's no one way that any child responds to this. So it's really, you have to know your child and just be aware and really um, be careful when you're talking on the phone, when you're talking to your soon to be ex, when you're, um, you know, talking to a friend, the kids hear and they see what's going on. So really um, be careful about that. That's such an important piece of information because we forget, you know, we're in trauma and, and the kids are listening and we're going, oh, you know, and, and we think, well, we had that nice little conversation on the couch with the kids, but now we're in the, in the room and they can hear us talking to a lawyer and saying, oh my God, they're doing this or whatever you're saying make sure there's a, a circumference of people that are not little ears around you because it, we don't want to traumatize them. And if you're giving them one story on the couch and they're hearing he's a narcissist and all, all you know, they're going to be very, very confused. So it's, it's unified messages and protection from anything that they should not hear. Not in a car. Don't do a therapy session in the car with your kids driving to soccer. Just be really hyper alert of what the little ears hear because it's going to make a difference in how they process this and how they internalize it, right? How do kids internalize divorce if it's not handled correctly? You know, and I wanted to add to that, you know, maybe the, your listeners are not the people who are talking in front of the kids. Maybe the other parent is. And what do you do when that happens? And the big thing is you can't control that, right? So don't start a fight about that because that's going to make things worse. You may want either an attorney or write in an email, just something very nice about um, please be careful what you say to the kids. It really impacts them. And I know you want what's best for our children. You know, like this is the Biff method, you know, like be, be uh, brief, informative, friendly, firm. And so like, you really want to be as friendly as possible, but let them know. But most cases with narcissists, they're not going to listen to you no matter what you say. So what you have to do is handle the fallout. And if your child comes to you and say, says, you know, mommy said this or daddy said that, um, you say, well, you know what, they were upset. Um, actually, this is what's really going on. You know, that sometimes people say things when they're upset that that's not really true. Or, you know what I mean? So like, you really want to be there to not throw them under the bus, but you want to explain what's true and what's not true. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and I think just validating, you know, that must have been so hard to hear, you know, how are you feeling that you just heard mommy cheated, you know, whatever, whatever they overheard, right? Right. Is, is to validate how they feel more than what they heard. That's an important right. message here as well. Oh, thank you for bringing that up, Tracy, because like, you know, it's more important that you allow them to express that than anything else, because they need to know that you're not going to start putting them in the middle, you know? So they want, so then asking them, you know, do you want to talk about it? How are you feeling? And, you know, just tell me how you feel and, and we can talk about it, but not like 
telling them, putting them in the middle by saying, oh, they're not supposed to do that to you. And don't, you know, the mm -hmm. other thing I do say for parents to say is um, if mom or dad tells you anything negative about the other person, just tell us that that's not okay. Because sometimes that might happen and you really need to let us know that it's not okay to do that. And then you're giving them the words to set boundaries and you're not blaming the other person and you're, you're letting them know how to set a healthy boundary. Right. And it's also not, again, not blaming the other parent, but both of us could make a mistake. Please warn both of us so that, again, you're not blaming the other. You're going, hey, you know, I, we hope that, you know, you don't hear anything, but if you think this, go for it. Tell us. We need to know. And then you'll really get like sort of a gauge, depending on how old the kids are, you know, as to how they're processing it. Because if they hear it and they react to it, you know that they're like, okay, that's not allowed. I mean, they're almost becoming the police in some ways, but at the same time, it's empowering them to have a voice to be heard that they don't want to hear that and they don't need to. Exactly. It's, that's the key. They're, they're empowered. A lot of people make mistakes um, when they're not only telling the child, but through the divorce process. So, um, you know, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see? Oh gosh, there's so many, <laughs> but the big ones are, um, hiring an attorney and letting the con attorney control your divorce. Um, divorces are 80% emotional, 10% legal and 10% financial. And if your attorney is really managing your divorce, they've got the expertise in the legal, which is only 10%. Um, and they don't have the expertise in the financial or emotional. They don't, they're not parent, you know, parenting experts. They're not financial experts and they're not therapists. So like, it's really a mistake to go to them. And I did that. I vented to my attorney and that was hundreds and hundreds of dollars that I, that probably a thousand dollars that I wasted doing that because my attorney was pretty expensive. Um, so yeah, so using your divorce professionals in, in the wrong way is, um, is one big mistake. Another mistake is um, to not know what your priorities are. You know, you, your attorney or somebody might tell you, well, you should get this and you should get that. And you feel like you have to fight for everything, right? And when people go through divorce, they don't come out getting everything they want. So there are things that you have to compromise on and to know what's important to you and what is not is huge. And it will help you be able to get to an agreement faster because then you can give up what's not important. Also, if you know what's important to them, that's really helpful so that you can get them what they want and you can get what you want. So that's a mistake people make is fighting for everything when it, you can't get everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that one. Um, when you were talking about using the professionals wrong, I was like writing down like a crazy person um, because I think people don't know how to manage a divorce attorney and they have expectations that... I'm paying them $500 an hour that they should be answering my emails, that they should be on top of it. And what I find, and, and I, I will premise this, that I watched an email chain yesterday that my client had sent to her lawyer. And she's like, but they're not answering me. And I looked at it and I was like, you're not asking them a question. 
you're literally going, he did this and he did this, you know, and, and it's like, they got that, they hear you, but it's not something that you're, you're, you're looking for. I need an emergency hearing date. That's a question. When can we get that? Like, that's a different line, right? But to know that sort of the, the story barfing, like we just talked about, and you said, you told, you told your lawyer, I know I probably had $50,000 of my $100,000 bill telling my lawyer what my ex was doing, right? Not knowing right. that a divorce coach would be like, okay, that's really a terrible thing that they've done, but it's not going to matter. Or this is going to matter and here's how we protect ourselves. A lawyer doesn't get into that nitty gritty with you. They are literally yeah. going, thank you for that, you know, 15 minute email that I just made $150, but I'm not going to answer you. Nor do you even feel validated and understand what happened. Does it matter that they just did this? Does it matter that this is happening, right? If you don't know how to manage your lawyer, getting those emails and not getting them, what's going to get responded to, how long is it going to be, then you'll go through 10 lawyers like a lot of my clients do. And while that seems like a off with your head next, you are starting to pay. If you've just paid $20,000 to get to that point and they've got some files on you and you're going to start with a new lawyer, they're going to read that $20,000 worth of stuff and you're going to have a $10,000 bill just for them to catch up. And now we're jumping off another cliff, right? Yeah. And this is so important. I think that people understand when you've been married to a narcissist and you've been triggered and reactive to them and they've had control over you, when you're divorcing them, everything they say, everything they do is going to trigger you. And so you're going to talk to your lawyer or you're going to you know, react to them and it's going to be counterproductive in your divorce process. So that's why when you talk to a divorce coach and you can plan out, look, he did this or she did this and I, I have to do something about that. You can say, the divorce coach can say, well, do we really need to do anything about that? Or is it just something that's really frustrating and we have to let it go? You know, that they're helping you manage your reactivity, which you've never been able to do because you've been married, but your relationship changes. As soon as you're going through a divorce, your relationship changes from being married to this person to a co-parent, or, you know, if you don't have children, just nothing, you know? So like, you don't have to react to everything they say. I remember my ex said to me, stop buying so many nuts because <laughs> he, he was upset that I was spending money on nuts. And I'm like, nuts like that's what do I really have to not buy nuts and I was like oh my god I can't believe he said that to me and you know that's the reaction because you're so used to so many years of having to react defend yourself or or figure out how to not say something or you don't have to do that anymore you can say so what he said it I don't care and walk away you know and this takes time and work to get to that point but but start working on that because you are not in the same relationship as you were. And you have to think about this person as the different, as a different person now. Right. And, and what you're talking about is, is letting things go that may or may not be, you know, important, 
But then there's the case of, well, what is important? You know, you've got this laundry list seven pages long of what they've done. Well, doesn't it matter that they do this? Well, how about that? Well, how about that? Right. Again, it's a lot cheaper to talk to you or I than to talk to a $500 an hour lawyer. The lawyer is going to listen to you and go, okay, well, thank you. We'll, we'll keep that in mind. But we would be able to say, you know what? While we can't, we don't even want to run to the lawyer with that. Let's keep track of that one. That one matters because if we get five hits of bad parenting, we can make a claim or five hits of abuse or whatever it is. We can then go, here's the things, here's the text, here's the evidence. If you get into a, a GAL or a you know PRE situation where you've got this parental coordinator coming in, they're going to want to see that stuff. So there's a part of you that needs to know what is important and what isn't. And after my client sent me that letter yesterday that she had gone back and forth, and I'm like, what'd you ask him? And, and I kind of helped her rewrite what we should say. And she's like, well, what about this? And I'm like, not now, sweetie. It's okay. And she's like, okay, babe. And you can let that one thing, because you know, we want to stand up with the, the mighty sword and go, this is what they've done and it's horrible, right? The court doesn't care. They're dividing money, they're dividing children and assets, and that's what they care about. If they are abusive, which in my case, 90% of them are, then we care about how much time the children get with them or different factors that the judge will care about. And that's just evidence. Again, putting in an email together with 80 things that they did, still not evidence unless it's a whole pile of similar things and they can be a jerk but that doesn't mean they're it's abusive do you know what i mean so you have to like weigh out like it feels abusive maybe because you're so used to feeling all of these feelings but it might just be they're being a jerk and there's nothing you can do about that <laughs> right that's the important right. you're throwing that over to your lawyer for 500 dollars, and they're going you know court's not going to care that he stopped you from buying nuts. That's great. Right. <laughs> um, but but it pisses us off because we're triggered, because we're, you know, hyper, you know, vigilant. Sensitive. sensitive yep. We're just going to be in that place. And so we have to learn what to hold on to and what not. Let's pretend that we've made a mistake in the divorce. How do we backtrack on that? Is it like, oh God, my life's over. I shouldn't have done that. How does someone backtrack on that? So, you know, when I love to work with people right in the beginning, because they haven't made all those mistakes yet, but I get plenty of people who have already made mistakes, have spent a lot of money and want to figure out how to do things differently. Um, if your lawyer's the problem, you can get a new lawyer. And sometimes that's an issue. Um, if, you know, it depends what the issue, what the mistake is, but you can always, always, before you go to, to trial, you can always settle, you can redo agreements before you sign them. Once you've signed an agreement, there's not much you can do, but before you sign agreements, you can really correct any, even if you've agreed to things verbally, it's not in the agreement. So until you sign that agreement, you can you can really correct most mistakes mm -hmm. but that but once you sign it that that is a different situation <laughs> and, and you know if we think about the co-parenting factor part of this um you know that's where people need to really make sure they've they've done their due diligence and they're getting coverage and protection for what they they want but um what you're going through in the divorce 
time, right? You've got a temporary plan. You've got to figure all this out. If it's not working and they don't bring them back on time or they don't do this, they don't do that. That's reason for us to build a stronger parenting plan because we've seen what they're going to do. We don't want to just take these wounds of they never bring them back on time. You know what? Then we need some stronger stuff in the in the actual document. They're showing us what could go wrong. Then that's where we make those changes. Because of that, we're going to bookend things. We're going to say your visitation starts at here and ends here. And it's very, very specific so that you're protecting yourself. And again, it's not over till it's over. And even when it's over, you could go back to court two years later and go, this parenting plan is simply not working. What can we do to like, I see that this is a hole and they never do this and they don't do that. And they're not using the family app. And what do we do? Right. We are learning from their, their stupidness that we have to make things stronger. So whatever you're seeing in the, before the divorce is happening, plan on it happening later and put the protection in to make sure that that's just not okay. Because Absolutely. if you don't put the protection in, they're going to keep doing it for the next 18 years. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. That's very smart to do. Put as much in there, like pickups and drop-offs are only at school. So you don't have to, you know, deal with them being late or, you know, coming early. So yeah, there's a lot of things that you can do to make it easier for you going forward. And, and when you just said pick up at school, well, that's great. What happens if there's no school? What if it's summer? Like we have to make a plan for that too, right? If it's, yeah. if it's school year, this is the plan, but most people go and do that, but they don't think about what's going to happen in the summer. And then the shit hits the fan and they're just like, but you said, you know, this is school. Yeah. But again, there's nothing in summer. Who's going to do it? How are you going to do it? Don't ignore the times that are non-school. And that's how you and I would protect them by going, Hey, you know what? It's not, it, yes, let's let's make sure the, the, the drop-offs are at school so it's safer and this and that, but off days we have plan B and we're not like floundering and they're not listening and you're trying to find where your kids are. So it's complicated. Absolutely. It is complicated. That's why you need support and support will be like a game changer if you have the right support. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can you please, thank you so much for being here today. Can you please tell my audience where they can find you? Yes. My uh, website is divorcecoachjill.com. I also have a free Facebook group. It's called Separation and Divorce Support Community. And um, you can get support from other people going through divorce. And um, that's, and, I, and then my book, you can get on my on my website. Okay. And tell us about the book name again, one more time. I'm getting divorced. Now what? And it's a workbook. So you guys can like get the manual, do this, check that. You'll feel so much more confident because somebody has been there before and given you the rules and you're just check, check, checking yourself. So thank you so much for being with me today, Jill. I'm so excited that you were here. Thank you, Tracy. It really, really was fun. Thanks. I hope that you guys found something helpful in there. We sort of ziggy zagged between the kids and divorce because the kids, if you've got them, are a huge part of, of making sure you do this right. So 
if you are looking for Jill, we'll put her contact information down below as well as mine. I coach people. See the map of the world back there? Can't see it because of the sun, but I coach people all over the world and I can help you get through this as well. Being a narcissist abuse expert on top of a divorce coach of narcissistic abuse helps me also help you with the emotional stuff that you're going through. The normal, this is what a narcissist does. Here's how I help you. So if you need that kind of help, I'm here. Reach out to me. My site is down below and I look forward to seeing you guys again soon.